0: But the systems are more complex. So systems are so difficult to map or even design
1: Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Nodes of Design. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Noor, who is a founder and principal designer at IDER Design and Innovation. Noor is a design leader in human-centered services and systems. With a deep passion for shaping new technologies and delivering value for humanity, Noor helps organizations achieve sustainable transformation and leverage new technologies for better use. Over the last decade, Noor has set up award-winning innovation teams at FJOT, Accenture, and Wongdutia of Infosys and leading global innovation capabilities for larger organizations. She is currently authoring a book, System Design Practice, and teaching the topic at multiple universities in Europe. In this episode, Noor had shared great insights on system design and where does this design methodology fits in and how to build system design map. We also spoke on what are the frameworks to follow for system design to design innovative and sustainable product with some wonderful examples by Noor. We then spoke on how could designers utilize the power of system design to bring ideas to life which are practical and scalable. We then spoke on how to tackle and predict problems when designing for large scale systems and concluded the show by Noor's take on ethics and collaboration culture in design. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every Friday we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design. So don't forget to tune in to notes of design every Friday. With that being said, happy designing everyone. Hi, Noor. Welcome to Nodes of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show.
0: Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for
1: inviting me. So, Noor, how was your day?
0: It's been really good. had a very good, interesting um, kind of strategic conversation with different clients. And also, and these days, I'm quite busy writing a book. So, um, it's been a very productive day, I would say, as a Friday. So, looking forward to the weekend.
1: That's wonderful, Noor. So, if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Um, yes, I am Noor and I've been working in experience industry, uh, a creative industry, but then hoping on, um, you know, from experience design, service design, strategic design, data design, and, and now for the last um, three and a half or four years, more focusing on innovation and system design. I would say I've been very active in, in, in leading and working and setting up design capabilities. I live in London. And um, and at the moment I'm writing a book uh, and as well as working with clients directly. Uh, there are some you know interesting work. Um, I'm really happy. I try to be consistent with my yoga despite of COVID. Yeah, so really having a good time and this summer.
1: Thank you so much, Noot. So what was your journey into design? How did you start? And what are your tips to the beginners on how to start?
0: My journey to design. I knew what I wanted to do as a as a you know starting you know someone who's wanted to go to uni and always you get this question like in high school what are you going to study and I wanted to design systems but that what I wanted to do actually didn't exist at that time so when you know when I looked at for example there is a ticketing system like I know we have Oyster card in London but I grew up in in Turkey and we had something very similar but it was metal so this metal was when you um touch on the bus it was actually beep. Basically, today's Oyster card, when I was a child, we could we could use this. And and I was so curious about how things work, you know, and how the services are so cool. Um, so I didn't have to carry, um, you know, um, a change every time I need to get on a bus. But I didn't know where to start. So what, what do I need to actually study? And I found myself... Trying to, you know, oh, if you want to design systems and now the, everything is all around digital and making, you know, creating like smart systems that actually make things easy for people. With this passion, I went into computer science, which is, you know, slightly different than art. However, um, it is actually became like my foundation because we shape technologies. So while I was in computer science, I noticed definitely programming for service was not something I wanted to do. So um, I really enjoyed my course, but I changed all of my optional modules with HCI. And this is the um, unit. Actually, I had a professor from HCI. He was so, so good. Neil Maiden, he actually really changed my mind about the systems and 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 why design is important and why user research is important. And I hit this module in my course called Requirements Engineering, which is basically UX research now. Um, So it sounds really, really old school. Um, Back in those days, we were always referring to HCI, you know, requirements, engineering and boiler templates. So basically, I ended up specializing more and more in human-computer interaction design. And I talked it up bit more leadership um, kind of studies later. But I found myself doing what I what I exactly I wanted to do, and and even including earlier in products, and then moving into service, and then moving into complex systems and innovations. Uh, I think I really like I'm doing what I'm doing. What I really wanted to do, but I I couldn't I couldn't name them before because the names just didn't exist. <laughs> so, so, so 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 I think the tips for people um it's so hard to i want to i want to be this or i want to be that that's a very um how can i say material um vision but when the vision is i want to make this change i want to design this i want to create that thing for people or for someone to help for environment i think these are much more stronger and it really connects to the core so that's 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 the feeling i have this is the reason. My titles have massively changed since I started, and, and those titles didn't exist when I was studying HCI. But fundamentally, what I'm doing is the exactly same thing I really wanted to do. So I, we now have now opportunity in design and creative industry to make the impact, shaping technologies, and hopefully respecting human behavior and, and create less damage to the
1: world. Thank you so much, Noor. So let's begin today's episode with system design. So what is system design and where does this design methodology fits in and how to build system design maps?
0: Oh, gosh. So it's a million dollar question. So to be honest, I am writing a book and, and it takes me, you know, months to describe what it is and how can people use this and where it fits in and how to create system map. My book is about basically the entire system design framework and how to apply that. I've been writing this book almost a year now and uh, we are almost finishing um, soon. So let me explain this what is system design at, you know first. So user experience I think the fundamental idea behind user experience is is really great right creating using you know shaping technologies and improve experience of people do things that is easier and you know to do things that is more manageable and then they have more transparency and they have more time you know it's like online banking just save lots of time for us like we don't go to banks and queue up and just to make some payments there anymore so you know there's amazingly great benefit of user experience but unfortunately misuse this as we misuse lots of things in the So the user experience became the customer experience and not taking care of users who's part of that systems and services. And we purely focusing on customers and driving business and focusing on sales, that really shifted. And and we started like, you know, really thinking through, do we really care about users? But how do we actually... um, So if we really look at user as a anyone who's directly or indirectly interact with a system. And and then parameters are much more complex than trying to improve an end customer journey. So there is different angles to this, right? So, you know, I'm not saying this is the only way. You can take end customer journey and that that could be the thread that you can pull in step by step. And this is how we move into service design. But the systems are more complex. So systems are so difficult to map or even design for the for 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 the benefit of very single prioritized segment group. The reason for that is let let me give you one example. The garments we are dressing today, right? We dress them, and there's so many. But there's a high street brand, maybe we buy it from, but there's like multiple companies behind the supply chain. And where the you know if this 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 says cotton on the label, is this really cotton? So people are started questioning, and I'm so. Um, inspired and super hopeful and happy about the new generation questioning things. So how how things are made. And if you think about this just simple garment example, there are people on the other side of the world that because of this garment coming here and because of it's it arrived to my wardrobe for X price and next day deliveries or whatever, it is causing some problems on the other side. And, and it's like not only just other side or even like the end of life cycles and etc. So there's lots of complexity and problems in, the, in this. One single um, T-shirt uses almost like two tons of water uh, to, uh, to wash before it actually goes to um, a sales. And that water is, is um, there are technologies to reuse water but it's not possible or it's not that advanced in every every country or, or in, in every part of the world. And then we see textile is one of the most toxicated industry. It's even more toxicated than um, petrol industry. It's a surprising factor. And then the landfills are so big in textile. Um, so if you think about this now, who would you consider as a user in this in this scenario? For me, the users are... Also, people who live in those villages and, and, and those rivers are ruined, you know, or, or people um, affected by, by this. Our planet, so everyone then, you know, indirectly becomes the user. So I found, you know, I questioned myself always, like back in my, you know, ambition right when I was very, very young. I want to make an impact. I want to build systems and services that really helps people. Never meant, you know, we can damage and create all these dark sides. But guess what? Every technology comes with some downsides, right? We love internet, but you can just waste your time on internet. Social media is great, but there can be very, very negative side of it. So I think similar to that, every invent inventions um, comes with some negative side. So what system design does, hey, there are bigger picture, there are bigger parameters to consider. And how can we really put all of these users in the heart of those systems and bring the experts? I'm no longer the expert in the room now. I am the facilitator as designer and creative person, but I want this expertise, this environmental, this person and that person coming here and to really discuss what's the best way to do this. So that's what system design brings together. So it is a, it is a, it uses lots of design thinking methodologies and um, it uses a bit more systems thinking methodologies, but actually it brings in introduces new ways of working and bringing more experts in the core um, product teams that are actually trying to solve problems. That's much more harder for a single person or sometimes single company to solve. High Street Brand is not may not feel responsible for the reverse getting Um, you know unhealthy to its nature but you know what the end users blame them because that's the grant is the garment is attached to there's lots of problems um, that we can deal but hopefully system design it can help us to create better policies find a better middle ground but really put our planet and and people at the heart because we can map systems it's like very similar to actually the thinking of it is very similar to service design. you just need more experts to map out systems. So in my book I actually have system mapping guide um, to help designers to um, step by-step process of how research, how um, different expert insights and different perspective actually, can be translated into, into a system map. System maps is basically a visual representation of the problem. So not everything in the system, because that can become like uh, probably unreadable giga maps. So system map is really about what is the um, the visual description of the problem and what are different peoples and different stories in that problem. And what are the different businesses, department units, as well as technology and data involved in that problem, if that's the focus. So really pulling together uh, lots of insight into into a shape where everyone can understand. So system maps are very, very effective for um, a technical people to understand, business people to understand, even someone completely from outside to understand what we are talking about. So it's a, it's, a, it's a diagram, highly visual, can go as creative as possible. I've seen some people create in 3D type of um, system maps. Um, it depends on what's the need. Often we just create the map to get the alignment. If that serves the purpose and you just move into you know what are the systems concepts you go, you're going to create out of those maps. But the maps represent the system, the people, problems. Um, data challenges um, and and all sorts of challenges that are relevant to what you are investigating.
1: Thank you so much, Noor. So you had mentioned innovation and sustainability in previous example. So what frameworks to follow for system design to design these innovative and sustainable products?
0: So um, this is a often, you know, we have been talking about it even like three, four years ago. When we look at problems, um we need to have we we need to design products that actually works for organizations, right? And if you pick up any large organization, most often, say like today, my clients, in their top five strategy, there's always you know a space for ESGs and sustainabilities and corporate re, you know responsibilities. But there is also um, I think this is also becoming more. Um, Multiple forces actually, you know, creating this demand for organizations. So, number one, you know, especially in Europe, um, there are actually um, set target dates for carbon footprint and for you know ESG goals, and and there are sixteen different goals that actually um, United Nations um, published. So there are sustainability goals. These are the organization needs meet, to meet at some point. When you design a product, you know, forget about sustainability, but if that product is so separated from the organization's vision and strategy, it will have very short lifespan, right? And if the organizations today set in that sustainability is our target, but also it's important to dive deeper, what does it mean for them? But if you think about, there's already like policies and and government push coming to, you know, in, in 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 space where organizations need to meet these criteria in 10 years or sometimes less than that. And then at the same time, there's a new generation that are actually asking for, how do you make your business? What's the things behind this? So the behind the screen is becoming a big question. And there's another force, which is processes today's business operations are quite costly compared to um, probably the profit they they used to make from these uh, operations, consider a telco, right? What is their profit margin today compared to probably 30 years ago? So um, cost cutting is a big drive also at the same time, but the cost cutting can also introduce more sustainable processes in place. And then there's another force, which is we have now technology that can that can do many things in scale that human cannot do. However, we do need human to manage these technologies. So all these nicely brings, we do have sustainability targets and and the products and innovation we are doing today, it needs to serve for that purpose. So why don't we bring sustainability requirements into the projects by default? We don't need to go off, you know, like the way we, for example, bring user requirements and then we got business requirements and then we got market requirements why don't we bring sustainability requirements into our project and have kpis attached to it because what we define and put as is to measure and and that things gets done at least to even if you don't for example you know create anything sustainable at first that can still be bring lots of awareness and how this product in long term you know, serves the purpose and 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 serves the you know strategic goals that businesses and organizations are targeting. So, the framework I think I already mentioned, but brings that we need to bring um, you know these sustainability requirements into projects, and that whole system design framework introduces as well. There is a we call this system research that um, you know pull together all these insights into a um, digestible, actionable way into into projects as requirements.
1: Thank you, Noor. So how could designers utilize the power of system design to bring ideas to life that are practical and scalable? Also, could you please explain us how to run or conduct these design workshops?
0: Okay, so for the first question, how can designers use this um, system design framework in their day-to-day projects? Okay, so I will give you this um i will give this as an example so say like you are working on a ux project every time you you question the service or how the customers have in what type of experience in different channels inside branches when they call customer service kind of you are leaning towards more service design is that right it is it is it is kind of like not necessarily you shaping all of them but you're kind of informing them hey, here are the five principles we, we define about user experience. And, and this is not only for the platform we are designing, but also should be all, all the touch points in the service. So very similar to this, when you design you know, a, a problem, when you work on a problem, you can create a 360 view of that problem. I think one of the easiest and practical way to use system design framework is to work around the problems. So the problems that um, what are the links are interconnected problems with this, and who are affected by these problems, and are you or you already start digging into a kind of wider understanding of that problem, and that becomes not just one customer problem, but and and then you see the um, reflection of that issue inside the organization and therefore maybe different employees and therefore maybe different departments or from data angle and from technology angle so once you create that 360 view or 360 understanding doesn't matter whichever creative format you come up with that you are already tapping into system systems thinking and system design you can take a, a simple coffee example right so you can take a you can dive deeper not just how the coffee is come to your, you know, home, but also you know, consider fair trade, consider the you know the the economies of the coffee supply chain, consider um, you know how the, the future of um, sustainable coffee trade. So you can as you dig deeper into all of this, you may not solve all of them. So this is this is one big um, sometimes misunderstanding with system design. You're not digging. You dig into all the problems to bring awareness, to inform what are the problem you are working on. But often these interconnected problems help you to understand that problem really well. And sometimes shift you from that problem because you may identify something bigger. But at the same time, it gives you like a 360 view. But that doesn't mean you're going to solve all of those problems because it's probably much, you know, wider, bigger. You know, there's like climate, you know, effects on environment, for example, and that affects how the coffee is produced today. So, you know, there are some some bigger problems, but bringing awareness, it will just help um, organizations and, and, you know, um, even governments uh, to have a plan or to keep those in mind when they do something else. With the system design workshops, um, depends on where you are in the process, right? So, um, I explain in my book that we first we work with the problems, and there is an entire phase to dig in deeper in the problems and understand the type of problems. Within that, we have a framing framing workshop, and that framing workshop is um, it's rather condensed expert, so it's not, not not much wider. However, as you move in the, into the process, so you do you do detailed research, there is actually a phase where you bring together. A drafted is is um, system map. This is really fundamental to have a successful system design project. So, when once you create that three hundred and sixty view and bring all the experts into into the room, then 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 the magic happens. So, the plan usually for this to enter this system design workshop, you've got a reframe problem. And you've done a detailed systems research. So that will include user research, system research, business market, et cetera, commercial. And you've got all your trends and for- forecasting in place. All that input translated into you know, visually easy to understand um, system map. Now you have different problems highlighted in the map. And now you, you invite all the experts that you need based on the problem you are looking at. And here is in the first um, in the first day we focus on we take everyone through the problems and what, the, all the insights. We don't tend to create like a pages of documentation. So we expect insights to be visually pre- representative on the on the map. That's that's often the case. And, and 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 pain points and and root causes of the problems that you looked at. And in the first day it was really about mostly understanding you know where you are at what the team found. And then the good thing is some of these experts, probably the people who work with you to build that. So you've got lots of buy-in. So it's no longer just design trying to adjust like we've done a good work, but actually it becomes like a, you know, the organizational work. So therefore there, you know, there's about a bigger buy-in. And the second day, um, we often um, start ideating about what are the potential directions and opportunities looking at different problems and prioritizing those problems first, but usually that prioritization, you learn it from, from day one, you can run this as an activity. And then the second activity you're gonna run, you know, maybe working as a group, peering up you know, a good you know, matching expert to look at certain parts of, the, of your system map. And then the next day or the next session, you can then see how many concepts that people are coming up with, how many ideas. As soon as an ideas or concepts are generated we hand over um, a nice um, new business model canvas which is a very useful exercise to kind of validate how this how this idea can come to their life and then we usually have technology experts in the group in the team to pre-validate that everything that people coming up with at the end of this um, workshops we all we all have you know some cool concept ideas. Some of them are written formats because you don't expect lots of you know business experts to be very, very visual, which is fine. This is where creative, it's creative people will help. And then business models attached to it, commercial models attached to it, data models attached to it. And then basically you leave the workshop with number of concepts created and then even sometimes prioritizing those concepts. And this is where system design is a um, system design workshops are very very helpful and sometimes we leave system design workshop with four solid validated workshops and it's validated so the experts are already in the room so therefore the concepts are getting pre-validated and sometimes even you know um, users could be in the room as well as an example we're talking about personalized medication so in that system design workshop, we have actually people who's completely outside of the project and, and have some sort of, you know, personalized or interest in personalized medication, inter, inter, interest in the space. And we use them as a kind of potential outside as outsider user who can actually contribute to this. So basically, I'm not saying this is a fully validated, but it's pre-validated at least for us to create more, and dive deeper for each concept. So the good thing with system design workshops, it gives you a number of concepts created by experts, and it's all different shape and format, and some of them are actually written, and some of them are actually like Excel sheets or whatever. The core idea here is these ideas are coming from subject matter experts and is facilitated by designers, and often we create multiple projects or we create a roadmap which project we tackle first if it's a a smaller team.
1: Thank you so much, Noor, for giving us such great examples. So how to tackle and predict problems when designing for such large systems?
0: So we cannot predict problems, right? So I think um, this is a really good question though. So I'm going to answer it with lenses. Let's talk about lenses, right? So we learned something from design thinking that we dive so deep in research, we empathize, create an empathy with people, we create empathy maps. We create what that problem means for each type of persona. So that's very detailed lens. So you really dive deeper and then pull the thread from there to see how the, the entire product is affecting people or can really help people. But here, while you're having that detailed lens, sometimes you need to zoom out um, to look at much wider and much bigger problems, we don't generate problems. We investigate problems. We are the investigator and that um put, put put this um you know bigger lens and and the wider lens, the empathy lens and detailed lens and data lens and technology lens. I think the really the the jig here is in being able to hop on that high level low level mid level and then pull together how if a problem uh, could cause other problems in different part in in bigger picture in more details come back with you know a, a, a nice good a problem map so identifying that it's a i think I, I i always call this out like you know we we do research in system design that is probably like 40% design thinking and probably um, another 30, 40% systems thinking, like putting that wider and bigger lens and bring the insights and connect them. And then probably the rest of it is just really um, facilitating and focusing on the, you know, getting the right direction, right? Because when you deal with so many big problems and, you know, you can so, you know, lose the direction in, in projects. So, keeping the borders, like how how where you stop, you know, where you stop, because the sky is the limit. You can go as big as climate change because then you're gonna find all the problems somehow is kind of links to the environment and the and the climate and the world we live in, the civilization, the cities, but you know, you still need to come back to your main focus and and stop somewhere. So that um your project frame problem, it gives you um you know kind of like a keep checking back is this relevant is this relevant and then don't answer yourself and and get expert
1: to answer that question as well. Thank you so much Noot. So what is your take on future of ethics and collaboration culture and design?
0: For me ethics um for the for the for in my book for example I put ethics in every chapter when we frame problem when we investigate problem when we digest the insights into a system map. When we come up with concept, and when we sometimes design AI, or using these technologies to create the concepts, ethics, it's different at all levels, at each, each phase. So imagine you design a, an amazing um, automation. Now your ethical concern will be, you know, how this is gonna work? How this is going to employ people who's working closely with this mechanism now? What is the human-machine interaction will be at that point? But when you look at maybe during research, when you investigate in, in systems, do you actually reach out to all the people who's directly and indirectly affected by this? Or do you just ignore, you know, or just focus on what is the business, um, what is the business uh, focus here, you know? So. I think the ethical requirements is very similar to sustainable requirements. So this is the reason I wanted to talk about ethics in every phase and and process that in every phase, when you research, when you design, when you analyze, and then when you just scale up solutions. It becomes a different conversation when you talk about AI. It's, it's It's not a different, it's just so deep, right? So here we are talking about you know, designing a colleague. So when you design a colleague or when you design an assistant, it's so different. Like, you know, we are not just talking about personal data. We're talking about machine screwing personal psychology. So I recently mentored a program um, which was about designing an AI teaching assistant. And this teaching assistant, it actually teaches kids and it learns from how they interact with the system, brings up, here are the things that the kids can improve say like spelling or like writing or reading or wherever and even in math so and then and then ai suggests kids to repeat those exercises to improve where they are not very good at this is idea wise it's amazing but i would be so worried if 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 you know a 3 years old or 4 years old sits down with this machine and this machine does basically what a classroom teacher is supposed to do but And then it gamifies it because the kids now enjoying it, which is lovely. But, you know, it's really needs like a deep thinking. So this is the reason the notion of design, designers doing the design, it's it's dangerous. So this is the reason why you need experts, why you need psychologists in the room to make certain decision. How is AI going to learn patterns and which patterns is going to learn? Have you designed the journey, a curriculum for AI? So that conversation is just so big and so massive compared to you talking about users' data, organizations, how they use customers' data, how they play back customers' data. I think that's like, there's so many different ways to tackle ethic. And I think it's fundamental to have that consistently in, in projects, in different stages in projects as well. So that's ethic. Your other question was about collaboration in, I think i partially answered this collaboration question. We should, I mean, the world where I believe, you know, the creatives bring in amazing magic to lots of, you know, organizations and building solutions, collaboration in, in creative and collaboration in design, it is call to action, right? So I think most of our industry is aware of the call to action for designers we are no longer making decisions about design. We need those experts with us, going, going to that journey with us to make the, to make those key decisions about how we are going to shape these technologies for that given problem. We can bring a lot to the table, but we need to use expert insights, the expert knowledge um, to, make the, to make the goal. So this is the reason the collaboration for businesses it's a challenge that all all these silos departments and units and now now needs to come together but I think as creative um, people we have a really good place to play where we can actually facilitate all those conversations and bring them into the same conversation with the artifacts we create out of these conversation and then the you know the direction that we can lead. So I think it's a um, very important, maybe even more important for us. It changes probably day to day what we would be doing in system design specifically. So maybe a bit more communication and facilitation trainings needed when you um, you know when we study in design or when we study in service systems and complex design to become a complex system designer. So that's that's my suggestion.
1: Thank you so much, Noor, for sharing all these wonderful insights with us. So could you please share with us how does your typical day look like or any interesting stories?
0: My day looks like the one thing I learned from COVID is um, I was freaked out that I wasn't going to able to do my routine physical activity. Um, so I created this dancing yoga thing. So basically a bit of um, Spotify, a bit of yoga, a bit of cardio. So I created like myself this uh, Every morning, kind of, I take 30, 35 minutes or so and I do that and it's just became part of my life and I'm really, really enjoying it and, and that's something I basically learned from, um, you know, all this like lockdown and, and just develop over the time. It became very important for me in the mornings now and I... I'm writing a book, you know, like I'm having lots of uh, ups and downs, you know, sometimes I'm not happy with what I wrote yesterday and I just started over again. And I also work with clients directly. So I do have meetings in between. So um, it's just, you know, usually um, now because of I'm um, writing, and I can write also early, very early in the mornings and, and in the evenings, depends on my day schedule. Um, I organize my day more. so. I'm not on a nine to five meetings, but that was, that was my life basically, uh, most of the time, uh, just before March. So it is, it was, it was very busy. I'm super happy with what I'm doing and how I'm spending my day. Um, I, yeah, I just work uh, in my book a lot and and with my clients.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Noor, for sharing us all these wonderful insights. So we'll conclude this show by you recommending three favorite books of yours, also people who inspire you the most in the space.
0: Okay. Um I love so many books. So it's so hard to shortlist. Um however, um, you know, like you you got like a different zone of reading at different times. So at the moment, um I quite discuss a lot. So I discuss a lot with my partner the book called uh, flow and flow is very interesting book so it's it's sometimes that you think oh yeah no brainer so going into the zoom so that's the idea but i think going into scientific details of flow and actually creating like a lots of tactical ways to get into flow uh, i think this book by mihali sis is the last name something like that uh, if you check it out um flow um, by Mihaly. It's a very, very good book. Um, I also quite like Cracked It. It's very creative ways of um, explaining how to solve um, problems. Um, it's by multiple authors, including Bernard um, Garrett. Um, I'm so also into lots of systems thinking trainings and books, and I love Donella um, Me- Meadows' um, Systems thinking, thinking in Systems book. I mean that's because maybe my headspace is quite in the um in that in that area. I also love um, a writing book, <laughs> which is called a Bird by Bird. And and this book called Talk About Shitty First Draft. So I think it's it's a perfect book for people who are very perfectionist and who just wanted to get things done in a super, super nice way versus and you know creating that shitty first draft versus you know trying to you know bend in all the time to make it perfect. Um, highly recommend. it's about writing but actually can apply to everything else, everything else that we do. These are my current uh, my on top of my list. Oh I have so many people inspire me. Um, Michael Jordan, that's number one. Oh my god. Right. what a passion. What a passion that you 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 are the best. you're the one of the best. And you continue exercising every day more than everyone else. I think that's, um, that's really, really inspirational for me. i inspired a lot by um, lots of like, you know, historical philosophers like Rumi is another one. So for one one quote that really got me thinking so much, it's about Rumi says, if you understand one and one, so understanding one doesn't give you understanding one-and-one. One. The key here to understand and, because that one-and-one, one, when they become together, that, that can mean and they can do something that it might be difficult to understand. So I think this is one of my, um, you know, I found it really, what a wonderful mind that really um, applies today and applies really um, like the way we should really looking at the world. So one-and-one. One. This is how we also find um a kind of way to understand systems, how they come together, how they influence us together, what are the interconnections? What does those means to systems and and the causing you know um problems and effect of those problems? i'm I'm really inspired by you know lots of philosophers, but I think Rumi specifically, um these quotes is just really like, make me so excited. All of a sudden my partner goes like, oh, what's going on? I just like, look at this, I'm almost crying. Um, yeah, so I, I love lots of uh, you know, the um, lots of, um, you know, the industry experts as well in the space. Um, but my, my earlier inspiration that why, you know, I got into the field um, Neil Maiden, of my professor and my um, undergraduate, um, really really inspired me about why you should design, why you should um, program for people. The context was computer science, but I think, um, I'm you know, lots of things we are doing is changing, but I think that those inspirational moments kind of stays
1: with us. Thank you so much, Noor, for sharing these wonderful recommendations with us. And we are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you. It was great.